Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. In this episode today, we are going to be talking all things CDL Champs 2023, and then the drama and the roster news and all of the, the drama that entails in the offseason has already kicked up. So we've got some roster potential rumors to talk about that just came out, as well as our plans for the offseason. Going to talk about our time over in Vegas at Champs, uh, and this, this pod's coming out to you a little bit later. And normal, obviously, coming out on a Wednesday because Brock and I were still in Vegas on Monday, our normal recording day. And then we had our travel day, got home late Tuesday night. So we are back home now. Pod's coming out on a Wednesday night, a little bit late. But I'm excited to talk about all things champs as well as the drama that is kicking up here in the community. You know, Roster Mania technically doesn't officially start until free agency opens, but they're getting started early. It's all in full swing. So if you guys enjoy this one, be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, you guys crushed it on the support. It was a Maybe our most listened to episode since Brock joined almost 2,500 uh, listens on YouTube. Um, had an issue uh, an issue with the audio, so I wasn't able to put it up on Spotify, which was very annoying. But the audio just like would not load in the correct file. It would just keep corrupting. So I wasn't able to put it on the audio platform, so I apologize. For those of you that are normally audio listeners, but um, if you're on those platforms, drop a follow, drop a five-star review. We appreciate the support on there. And without further ado, let's jump into it and talk champs, Brock. How you doing today? Ooh, doing pretty good. You know, had a fun time in Vegas for champs, so that was such a blast. You know, yeah. back here in Wisconsin, you know, warmer than ever. Let's get into it. <laughs> Almost feels hotter here in Wisconsin right now than it did in Vegas, because Vegas you got yeah. the dry heat, 90 degrees, and now we're back here and it's almost 90 here. It's like 88 out, but it is like a hundred percent humidity. So you are just sweating the second you step outside. It almost feels hotter than it does in Vegas. I um, think so. <laughs> that's what we came back to. So that's fun. But yeah, Vegas was a fantastic time. Champs was incredible. The venue was popping every day. It was, uh, I mean, we couldn't have said it more times while we were there and um, and hanging out. It was like, wow, this is more full than I expected on Thursday first match mm -hmm. at noon without Optic playing. It was like packed in there and each, each uh, day was packed for every match pretty much. Obviously, especially the Optic ones. The whole floor was full, the whole lower bowl was full, and a good amount of the upper bowl. Um, and even after Optic got eliminated, things were still pretty full the entire weekend. Um, so yeah, it was it was a great time. Obviously, wish the finals could have been a little bit more entertaining. Um, as somebody yeah. who just wants to see entertaining matches, we were both hoping for a Game 9, Round 11. Uh, and we didn't even come close to that. It was maybe the biggest blowout of a final I've ever seen. Yeah, instead we got like a DoorDash challenge in the finals. Yeah. <laughs> and this wasn't a 5-0 or 5 close maps either. Yeah, especially those first three dominant. maps. It literally, it it was a pro team versus a, a bronze ranked team in those first three maps. Literally, that's it was not close. Well, that's basically what I was watching. <laughs> yeah, it was it was something insane. So, let's talk a little bit about champs. Obviously, we are now a few days removed because we didn't have the ability to record right after it happened. So, people have maybe digested everything they want to from champs. So, honestly, I don't want to spend a ton of time on champs. I'd rather more start talking about off season type stuff. But obviously, we have to talk about champs a little bit. We went, talk about our experience there. Got to talk about some of the matches. So kind of looking at the bracket, a couple of the teams eliminated early. Um, Rocker, not much of a surprise there, expecting them to make a roster change as we hit the offseason. Mm -hmm. um, they were more of a team that was hoping to make some kind of Cinderella run. We never really believed that they were a true contender. Nobody really did. Um, but, you know, with the veterans on their team and Bants and Attach and stuff, you maybe believe they could make a little bit of a run. Um, thought they were for a little bit there in their first match. They get up 2-0 against Subliners. Yeah. Um, and imagine how much the tournament could change. Just think about, think about even the subliners' entire run there, how much things could have changed. I mean, Rocker get up 2 0 on subliners, and they looked very good in those first two maps. Mm -hmm. um, they did. If they knock New York to losers, who knows if they're able to make a run again? And even that second round, Optic should have closed out the map four. They maybe push out a little bit too far, broken on Zarqua. And they blow it, and Subliners goes on to winner's finals. Uh, Optic could have very easily forced a map five, and who knows? Optic wins that. Then once again, you have Subliners knocked out into losers. So, yeah. Incredible how much, just like last year um, in, in Vanguard, how Thieves won a game five round 11 against Boston first round. Yep. It is just crazy how much things can change with one little, one little thing. Um, one thing could change the whole outcome. Yeah. But Rocker get reverse swept, and then they fall to Boston down in losers. Honestly, not too shocking. Expect them to make a change. Um, Thieves, though. The other team that finished in that 7th-8th spot, very shocking. Um, 
I'm not incredibly surprised uh, that they lost to Ultra the first round. I did pick Ultra to win, but I was completely spot on that this match could ruin your bracket because um, we saw it both ways. I picked Thieves to lose and go down and make a huge run in losers. Well, they screwed my bracket up by losing right away. And for you, you picked Thieves to win the entire thing. Yeah. And they lost and got eliminated. And like I said, you're. I literally I called that. I said... Whoever picks this wrong, watch the other one um, who wins it will go to the, the winner's final and maybe even the final. And I was completely right. A lot of people pick Thieves and Ultra completely destroy your bracket because they run through the winner's bracket then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thieves just had, like, they could not clutch up to save their lives, it felt like, this weekend. Now they lose two game fives. Um, and from what we're hearing in terms of roster rumors, it sounds like the roster will no longer be a thing, which to me isn't that surprising. You get a second, you get a first get a couple bad placings and that champs you get a dead last so it's not incredibly shocking yeah. to see them break up also this team has been together now for two full seasons of call of duty that i mean in in the call of duty world to stick together for more than two full seasons i would love to see a list of teams that have done that it's um basically i mean the optic dynasty forms partway through aw plays that second half of aw all of black ops 3 all of iw and then a good portion of the beginning of world war 2 so they roughly stayed together for three full years if you piece together the two half years Mm-hmm. And they're like the longest tenured team. So yeah. for this team to go into a third year together, they would be like approaching the longest tenured team um, of the same exact players. Obviously, like FaZe is pretty close with the trio, but they would be approaching like lo- one of the longest tenured teams of all time. They stuck yeah. together. So it's not crazy shocking they're splitting up, but um, disappointing showing from Thieves nonetheless. Yep. Does it, I thought they have, I thought they were going to come out Diffy. That was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Once again, two game fives could have easily happen. But like, like we said, super disappointing because, like, for Breach, um, for Rocker to finish lower, it's like you know what? That's that's whatever. But Thieves are a championship or bust. They were coming to this weekend. Anything but a chip was a failure. You yep. could say that for any team technically, because obviously all their goal was to win it. But there are certain teams that yeah, we're holding to a different standard. Yeah, we strongly believe Thieves could win it because we saw them do it last year and they still looked pretty good. Whereas teams like the Rocker, um. I wouldn't say we're championship or bus coming to the weekend. Obviously, they all are, but you know what I mean. Like their expectations weren't like I did not they're going to go all the way, make a run. <laughs> yeah, you don't expect Rocker to win. Obviously, every team is championship or bus technically when you get down to the playoffs because nobody goes there to try to finish second. You all mm-hmm. go there to try to win, but there are different expectations for a phase compared to a Rocker. Yeah. Um, then our teams that uh, got eliminated top six. Honestly, maybe two surprises here. For sure, one surprise. Maybe people didn't think Boston was even going to make it to top six. They end up taking out Rocker, and they do um, make it to that that top six placing where they lose to FaZe. In Optic, they lose to Subliners in winner's round two and then drop to Surge in a game five. Uh, mm-hmm. The second I saw Surge, I was like, I don't know, accuracy, you know, Iceman with Sib and Pred all that talent. Optic losing in a pretty heartbreaking fashion against New York, a pretty vibe kill fashion. Kind of thought we might see them lose um, once they fell down to Surge and Surge take them out. Optic top six, once again, another team like Thieves that was completely championship or bust, so a very disappointing event for Optic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Would have loved to see a lot more out of them. I mean, yeah, we, we, we wanted to say that that top 12 uh, was a fluke last event, but you know, it's, it's looking much. like it was pretty accurate. But, I mean, they beat Boston, and it's like they were so close to having a chance to, to take that subliners team to a Game 5. Um, yeah. Just a little I'm, mistake. And I'm, I'm thinking about it right. The Optic got, I think they got destroyed in the first hard point, right? I'm thinking of the right right map. Yeah. They I got think, destroyed in the first. I think they got clubbed in the first hard point. I thought, it was, I thought they might have had just over 100. Am I thinking of it wrong? Let me go look. I'm thinking of it wrong. Uh, um, yeah, they got 130. So they got destroyed. Um, I, I was thinking of it right. They didn't get clubbed, but I mean, the side of New York, I mean, 21 and 12 for Skies, 26 and 18 for Priesta, 23 and 20 for Kiz, 25 and 20 for uh, Hydra. And on the side of Optic, um, you had Hook and Shotzi both in the point fives. Um, yeah. Ashley with the 1.1 and Ghost with the point nine. They got dominated. They went a close uh, hotel search. They lose the control. They were up 1 0 and honestly had plenty of chances to win other rounds in that control. Yeah, they just threw it away, and then that hard point. Obviously, they threw that hard point away big time. Um, they should have won it at the end. I mean, do you want to say what you thought the story of the series was? I think we're going to have the same thing as to why Optic lost this and struggled really this weekend as a whole. You want to say it, or you want me to to go forward with it? You can go forward with it. 
uh, Shotzi and Hook. Um, specifically talking this series, um, I have to look a little bit more into everything else, but I mean, I test will tell you, and especially from the series, it was Shotzi and Hook. I mean, the sub duo on the side of New York in this series were the two highest KDs and two highest damage on their team, 1.14 and a 1.08, whereas the two lowest damage in the entire lobby was Hook and Shotzi and the two lowest KDs. Um, it was just complete domination. Kismet and Hydra were head and shoulders above Shotzi and Hook, and it wasn't even comparable in this match. They dominated them. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's that's where we we split up and um and see the difference in that series. Like optic, the subs. Uh, and it's been a story a lot of times on land. Who can Shotzi tend to struggle against top teams on land this year? And it was it was a story once again. Yeah. Disappointing to see though, because those are players that um, two world champions that going into this tournament had never lost a, a match together at champs. You're expecting them to to come forward with something else. Yeah, a little more firepower than what they, we gave them. They yeah, gave I mean, over, yeah, overall in the event, uh, apart from that, so including the Boston, the Surge, and that match, Shotzi had a .95 um, and a .89 from Hook in his overall KD. And honestly, the thing that sticks out to me, they're all pretty good in control numbers-wise, but the thing that sticks out to me is really the Search and Destroy. Like, Hook struggled in every game out except control. Um, and Shotzi, you know, wasn't terrible in Hardpoint. He had a .94, but with Shotzi's play style... He's never yeah. usually going to put up huge numbers because he's just being so aggressive. Um, but the disappointing part to me was how good those two have been in search, and especially Hook this year. He's had moments where people were calling him the best search player in the game or right up there. Hook had a .84 and Shotzi had a .87. Those are two absolute catalyst playmakers in S&D, and they just weren't getting it done. Yeah. So tough, yeah, tough weekend for Optic as um, many fans expected them to be able to make a deep run. Um, then. Our our next team we want to mention here, um, Seattle Surge. They bow out top four or fourth place. Um, for them, a pretty good event because I would say most people's expectations was for them to lose to FaZe and then lose to the, the loser of Ultra Thieves. Would you agree? I think pretty much everybody agree. Going into the tournament, that was your expectation. I would, I would agree, yeah. Because their road was FaZe and then Ultra slash Thieves. So a very tough road. Um mm-hmm. However, they impressed because they do lose to FaZe. FaZe dominated them pretty easily in that series. But then Surge, you know, they come out and they take down Optic and Thieves, or Thieves then Optic, in back-to-back Game 5s. I mean, coming to this tournament, Optic and Thieves were probably two of our, our top favorite teams. I mean, we had, like, the five teams that we believe were favorites, and Optic and Thieves were definitely viewed as contenders to win this tournament. Yeah, I'd, yeah. getting into it. So uh, a big performance from Seattle. To, to knock both those teams out and end up finishing uh, fourth place. They knock out Optic again. Um, overall, KDs-wise, they won a lot through the Search and Destroyers, obviously winning multiple Game 5s, but they got slayed out pretty hard. I mean, overall in the event, Accuracy at a .78, Mac at a .9, um, Sip at a .97, and Pred at a 1.02. But once again, can't look at KDs to tell the whole story. You got you to gotta really watch the event to know one. Um, let me tell you, Mac, it felt like a lot of the time was playing better than point nine cod. He was making plays in some of those matches. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mac was what that one match against the Optic had like double positive, like thirty four and seventeen or something. Yeah, and he he was just even when you're watching him, he was making plays on the map. And he was also uh like we talked about with Hixie a lot of times, where Hixie might be twenty and thirty, but he got the most important two piece on the map to win the game. Mac was getting very important kills and that that control against Thieves, I think the thieves. I think it was. I think it was against thieves. He he went like insane on a solo control on the A point to get a crazy two piece clutch up. They end up capturing the point. Oh, yep, yep. Um, and Mac went insane. He had like all of his kills in that map were on offense. He was just he was the playmaker. He was definitely the hard carry for them on that map. Um, a potential career saving tournament for Mac because his stock was as low as it could go. Coming in, and I don't know if one tournament will change that, but people definitely have a, a good memory in their mind of Mac to finish the year rather than what they had uh, for mm-hmm. his season. Definitely brought it back after the first like major three and fours, five. Yeah, he was he was really low on stock, and I don't know that one tournament can change that like a crazy amount, but he definitely came through, came through big and increased that stock at least a little bit or increased people's last memory of him. Um, yeah, came, he came through big when it mattered most, I guess. Yeah, or something. Big time player, I guess. Um, then we had what shouldn't be our most shocking or one of our most shocking results of the tournament, but it is because 
These dudes never miss a grand final, and that is phase falling in losers final and finishing top three. Uh, what can you say? It's it's a, obviously a failure for phase because they're again one of our teams that they every tournament they go to if they don't win it it's a failure. There's no such thing as a as a historic tournament for them if it doesn't include a win. Um, Celium was insane at this event. A 1.43, one of the top KDs we've ever seen at a champs. Um, just behind formal, a BZ at a 1.11. He was making plays over the map. Slasher actually played very well uh, with a 1.13, including a crazy closeout map against Surge. He really stepped up in that last uh, map for hardpoint. Simp had a 0.91, but the guy was making plays all weekend like he does on selfish plays. Uh, it just came down to the fact that, you know, New York were on one this weekend. They were face having to run into that, buzz, that buzzsaw and just couldn't get it done. Yeah, definitely New York was just a little bit better. And Hydra played incredible in that series. Kismet, once again, may have had a 1.0 flat 86 and 86, but we'll talk about him when we talk about New York, but he may be the best superstar enabler of all time, as um, Parasite mentioned. But, you know, FaZe won that map one hardpoint, and I thought we were, you know, I actually thought after FaZe won the map one hardpoint, we might be headed to 3-0 territory. Mm-hmm. Just because of the way the slaying was. FaZe were frying towards the second half of that map. I mean... They had guys across the board, Slasher 1.5, Abizi 1.15, Celium 1.76, and Simp 1.4 in that first map. You got guys like Skies dropping 13 and 25, Priest dropping 10 and 27, um, even Hydra's only 27 and 26, Kids 27 and 32. Damage-wise, Phaser putting in way more damage. I thought we might be heading for a 3-0, and uh, I was right, but in the reverse way, New York went on to win the next three maps straight. Yeah. Jeez. I really thought we were in for a... 15, yeah. Two. yeah, I really thought that we were in for a a big swing and we were going to see FaZe move on, especially because, like, you got to remember, this is also coming off of New York getting 3-0 stomped. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't get beat 3-0 in close maps either against Toronto. They got 3-0 stomped in 30 minutes by Toronto. They got destroyed. Yeah. And FaZe was coming off a match where they had just beat Surge. So FaZe was coming off a match where they... They beat one of their old boogeymen that always, you know, kept games close to them. They're hyped and energized, whereas subliners are coming off an absolutely demoralizing loss when they had a yeah. chance to go to finals. So, like, everything seemed to be pointing the way of FaZe in New York. Why they the world champs. They clutched up, showed the composure they needed to, and Hydra had a massive series. Hydra mm-hmm. has a massive series every time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Numbers-wise, Hydra's always going to put up his numbers. If, if he doesn't, you're going to lose, um, and it's going to be shocking, but... Crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, did not expect FaZe to, to miss the final, as crazy as that sounds, because they always make it. Um, potentially going to see a roster change for FaZe going forward. They most likely keep yep. the trio, because don't know why you'd ever break up that trio if you have the choice, considering they always get you to Sunday, basically. Yeah. Um, Slash is kind of the odd man out. <laughs> a slasher maybe be replaced by a, an Illy, an Octane. Um, Clay, maybe. Clay, yeah. Any of the, like, the veteran ARs you can think of, uh, if RC somehow gets rid of or gets out of his contract, maybe he would be a guy to potentially return there. Pretty much any of the veteran ARs you can think of probably have a chance to join this team. And yeah. I'm still not counting on Slasher that he could come back because who knows, maybe they don't like any of the options they legitimately have, and Slasher is still a viable option. It's not like this year was a huge failure for FaZe. They only win one event, but they finished third or higher at every single event. Yeah, It's not up to their standards, but it's not a complete failure. It's not like they're going to panic and be completely screwed for next year and suck if they they don't make a a change. Yeah. They'll be be just fine. Yeah. Then we had our our final. Uh, There is not much to talk about with this final. It was not even remotely close. Uh, It was a 5-0 in dominating fashion. I mean, 100-point club first map, 6-1 in the second map, and it was 5-0 at one point. Uh, A 3-0 control that was dominant, then a very close 250 to 236 hard point. And a 6-4 search and destroy that after Kleenex, was it? Yeah, Kleenex touched the 1v3 to make it 4-4. I really thought um, Toronto were going to win that map and maybe potentially give us somewhat of a series, win a map or two, maybe make it a respectable 5-2 or something. And nope, New York showed composure again, and they 5-0. I mean, where do we even start with New York? Everybody has an incredible series, specifically Mm -hmm. Kismet and Skies. Um, When you're saying... When you're calling out Kismet and Skies for having an incredible series, and then you look in Hydra had a 1.3, uh, you know they must have had some insane series because a 1.3 was the third best on their team. Yeah, 
they're frying all above a one as well. <laughs> yeah, and uh seems like Scrappy may have made a mistake uh in yeah. talking, you know, and uh motivating the Bulldog, Kismet, and you know, the rest of the team. But um I you know, you really can't fault Scrappy. It's kind of his thing. Like if he would have been, you know, talking that crap and, you know, wins the wins the event, everybody would be loving it and be like he backed it up, he talked his talk. So you can't really fault Scrappy too much. You can't be like, oh, he's the reason they lost, you know. We're talking trash talking like that. Well, you know, that's scrappy. You gotta you're gonna live by it and you're gonna die by it. Yeah. Um so scrappy is gonna, you know, talk his trash and if they would have won, everybody would have loved it. Um and now that they lost, everybody is roasting him and you know saying he shouldn't have poked the bulldog. And I kind of just think it's a double edged sword. Like mm -hmm. Scrappy's always gonna talk like that. You gotta take the good with the bad, and um I hope Scrappy never changes because it makes it entertaining. One and two, like it just shows that he has unwavering confidence. He doesn't care uh if he ends up getting smoked it's like he's gonna talk no matter what and i I really respect that yeah definitely he's consistent in talking trash <laughs> yeah losing winning he's gonna talk trash and he's gonna let you know and then yep. when he loses he's gonna take it on the chin he's gonna be like yeah i own up to it and that's what he did so i really respect that if he would have freaked out yeah if people started talking trash to him and he freaks out i would have been like yeah but you got to respect it he he dishes it out and when he needs to you know get it back thrown back at him you know he'll He'll just, you know, accept it and be like, yeah, I got smoked 5-0. You know what? Nothing I can do about it. Yeah, but that's why I saw like his tweet at GG's. You know what I said? We got smoked. <laughs> but yeah, what else can you say? He got smoked and like, was he going to make excuses or something? No. He knows they got smoked and uh, I respect it, but um, I hope he doesn't change. Hope he keeps talking yep. crazy. But Toronto may be making a change because, you know, they did make it to the final. But man, I, I just don't know. When it comes down to it, and you got Skies, Kismet, Hydra, Priest, when those guys are frying, I just don't know that this Toronto team can ever mm -hmm. keep up slaying wise with Kleenex's inconsistencies. Insight's a little bit of a slower player. Scrappy, obviously, a 0.71 seems like a bit of an anomaly for him. He's usually pretty consistent in the slaying department. Uh, and Hixie, just don't know when it comes down to it if they can slay with top teams. They certainly can out teamwork most teams, but just don't know if the slaying's there. That's what happens when Scrappy doesn't job a 1.2 for them, get 5 0'd. Yeah. Um, then we can talk about our tournament winners, New York subliners. Um, can't say it's too surprising. Obviously, I had them finishing pretty, pretty low in this tournament. Like, I think I had them get eliminated by thieves and losers round two. Crazy of me, should have known. Yeah, we like to see teams go back to back a lot. That makes like five of 11 champs winners now have won the event before, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, subliners incredible, they were easily the best team there this weekend, especially on that, that Sunday. They dominated, like we said, Kismet. I think it was Parasite that called him this, but he is the best superstar enabler in the league. Um, mm -hmm. He just sets up his superstar Hydra so well and makes Hydra's life so easy that he can just focus and run around and get in kills. Kismet also had a 1.45 in S&D in the tournament. Absolutely crazy. A 1.04 overall. Skies had a very good tournament. Priesta was doing his job, led the tournament in assists, which um, makes perfect sense considering he had the lowest KD in the team, 0.94, but he was setting up his teammates once again. Superstar enabler. Yep. Um, that's what this team is. Skies does the dirty work, does his job. I think Skies deserves a massive shout out because basically for his entire career, he's been, uh, you know, like a big slayer, like a pretty slay heavy AR that's known to fry um, with big wake on Florida and even on LG. He was kind of a, a 1.2, walking 1.2, but, you know, he took a step back. Kill numbers go down this year, but he really was a good role player. Yep. Exactly what he has to do for the team. He deserves a shout out for that. And like I said, Priest had that 0.94, but I believe I saw the stat that he led the tournament in assists. So he's doing his job, dealing damage, letting the Bulldog and Hydra go and clean up the kills for him. Yeah, definitely. Crazy tournament out of them, though. You got to respect it. Um, one thing I need clarification on CDL, we need to set this straight. What this the champs MVP is. I've been confused by it since the inception of the CDL. Crim6 won it in MW um, because he had a good final. But he did not have like a crazy tournament. I believe Krim had like a 0.98 overall in MW. And like he was good the tournament, don't get me wrong, but he definitely wasn't the MVP of the entire tournament. But mm -hmm. he did have a pretty good final, if I'm thinking of it correctly. And then he won the champs MVP. And then when the screen came up, they gave the MVP, they called it the champs grand finals MVP and gave it to Kismet, which sure, if it's for the grand finals, 100% Kismet deserves it. But then when they were showing his stats, they showed his stats for the entire event. Yeah. So we need a clarification, because if it was for the entire event, Hydra was no doubt the MVP. Mm -hmm. And if it was just finals MVP, then 100% it was Kismet. 
So it been, we need some, yeah, we need some clarification. Like, what is it? Is it the finals MVP or is it the the overall champs MVP? Because they're telling me that it's finals MVP and giving it to Kismet. Sure, hundred percent, go for it. That's the right call. But then when they showed his stats, they didn't show his final stats. So they showed his entire champ stats. I wonder if it was it was the grand finals MVP, but they like the stats got mixed up. Whatever they put the wrong stats up. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I hope so because there's there's no way Hydra wasn't the overall tournament MVP. Yeah, he certainly was. But like I said, if it's just finals MVP, absolutely, Kismet was the best player in the finals on either team. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we need to clear that up. But either way, that's not important. What is important is they got their ring in the end. None of them are really going to end up caring who was the MVP because they all got a ring. Um, they didn't priest a third time's a charm. Yeah, I was happy to see Priest win specifically. I also really am a big Kismet fan because I love his play style. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite play styles in the league. It's basically just like, you know what? I'm going to drop either, like, I could drop 0.7 this map, but I'm going to do everything I can to have Hydra drop 1.5. Yeah. And he's just selfless flying in for his teammates. And don't get it twisted. We're calling Kismet the superstar enabler and, like, this player that's so selfless, but he's, uh, he's almost a superstar in his own right. Like, Mm-hmm. it's like that Abizi role I still think Abizi overall is probably the better superstar enabler and player because he's definitely a superstar himself over Kismet but Kismet's kind of close to that Abizi type of level where he is just going to fly in there and he's going to you know be an insanely good entry player but he can also you know get it done and fry when he needs to I believe he had 15 in that closeout map in the grand finals yep. like Kismet is good and you know he really came out of nowhere considering you know a little bit there it looked like his career was about to be over yeah, what a turn of uh, events yeah. for him. Good finish in Black Ops 4. I believe he finished fourth of that E6 team at Champs, and then coming into NW doesn't really get a great team offer. Gets on the Paris Legion, struggles, goes to Challengers for a couple years and returns mid-season Vanguard. Helps uh, propel subliners to a crazy Champs run uh, to make it to Champs, and then this year wins three events, wins MVP of Major 1, MVP of Champs, wins two MVPs this year. Um, and I have turn around and I... Crazy <laughs> turnaround and quickly becoming one of the players, one of my favorite players in the league, is he is an absolute beast. And I, mm-hmm. I love when we get to praise players that play like Kismet. Because we praise the Hydras, the Preds, you know, the Dashies, the Simps, all these guys all the time that, you know, are just their job is to go out there and fry and they do it. But we don't often get to praise the guys like Kismet that are doing all the dirty work that gets their teams the win. Yep. So I like that we get to do that. Definitely. Um, pretty so much all we got for champs, though. What was that? I said do whatever it takes for the team to win. Yep, and you need players like that. Um, well, we'll talk about that in a second, speaking of doing whatever it takes to win. Um, last thing, though, we already talked about a little bit, but event was incredible. I really enjoyed going to it. Vegas, uh, the casinos robbed my pockets. But overall, Vegas, cool city. It was my first time. It was Brock's first time. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, we got to go around, do a bunch of stuff, visited pretty cool aquarium where we got like a vr experience did a a pretty fun escape room where we got locked in some jail cells um overall (laughs) lots of casinos you know walking around eating great food we were getting crazy steps i mean we had like multiple days of twenty thousand steps in walking all over the place um vegas cool city fun time excited to potentially go back one day but excited to also hopefully go to champs again and make it a, a yearly occurrence but it was an incredible time for me at least same here, honestly. It's a fun city, right. but man, can you lose money fast in that city? Because all the food is expensive, and obviously casinos, you know, yeah. anywhere really rob your pockets. Casinos are not meant for you to win. Yeah, casinos will definitely rob you. Especially my, the game I played, the drum game. Yeah, that game was robbing you blind. Um, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have much luck in the casino, but you know, that's kind of what casinos are for. If you were meant to go there and make money, then they probably wouldn't be in business. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to lose anyway, so... That's yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the mentality you have to have because otherwise you're gonna get really pissed every time you go because you're probably not gonna win. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I said talking about team players. Move on to our first uh, drama topic uh, from the week, and that was sensor versus dashy. Um. I'm trying to find the exact thing, but it's basically from the the reverse sweep. Doug was talking about why, you know, like uh, Bruce's career will be a failure if you know he doesn't. Um, doesn't win a ring, which I mean, I think anybody would pretty much say is the case for any of their careers. Uh, 
Like mm-hmm. anybody in the CDL, if they don't win a ring, they're going to probably consider that a failure. Like they all, that's what they're all chasing is a ring. Um, but Doug really went in, you know, saying he's got to change his ways, take accountability. He's wasted talent if he doesn't get a ring. Um, talking about like how he's creates a losing culture at Optic and all he cares about is clout when making team decisions. Like kind of an odd rant and like seemingly coming out of nowhere. Um, and then, you know, Doug quoted it and said, I love Dashi. I always saw unlimited potential in him. Hopefully he takes this the right way. Um, Dashi responded and said, say whatever BS to stay relevant in this community because the gameplay surely isn't doing it with a thumbs up. Um, <laughs> and then Doug said, you're right. I've been in challenges for years fighting for a spot. Hopefully I get mine soon and I can put you in uh, the place you deserve to be. Dashi said, maybe next year's the one bro. Keep at it. You know, obviously a sarcastic tone there. <laughs> And Doug said, appreciate it. So, you know, they're going at it. Um, and uh, interesting, uh, I, I get both sides. I get why Doug, you know, maybe going at Dashy's lack of championships. It is surprising that a player of Dashy's caliber only has, you know, two chips and four or five years competing. Surprising because Dashy, once again, is an incredible talent. Um, but also, yeah, it seems a little bit weird. He really, really went at him. And I don't think it's as deep as Doug made it. I think, you know, unfortunate team things have come through for dashi they've fallen short a little bit here and there and guess what um it's not as you know it's not as easy to win right now with how little teams in the league how competitive the league is how many great players there are you know there's a reason that people aren't winning like crazy there's only one team that's been winning pretty consistently and that's phase and even they they struggle to close out tournaments a lot um and you know what i'll say to defend dashi a little bit because i thought it was a little out of pocket um from doug is if that's a failure, I get like we're saying Dashi's a lot more talented than Doug, but Doug has what four chips in fourteen years and no mm. ring. So I mean, yeah, that's on the same projection to de- defend Dashi a little bit there. Uh, if Doug was maybe you know Karma calling him out with twenty something championships and three rings, or um, you know Krim thirty something championships and three rings, you know maybe a little bit more respectable, but. Um, Doug has what three or four chips in fourteen years competing, so it's it's not like he has some crazy amount of chips to draw back on and be like, "Look at me, you know, this is how you win." Uh, so a little bit of a weird conversation. He he really seemed to go at him hard for, for no reason. It seemed like, yeah, it's just kind of a little, little weird, little you know, out of pocket kind of said. Yeah, and I guess uh, I can't blame Dashy for responding when somebody talks crazy on your name like that. It's hard not to respond. Yeah. defend yourself um but pretty short exchange uh next thing to talk about free agency brock officially begins on monday july 3rd for any of you that are long-term listeners of the podcast um or tuned in here and there and you know have at least been listening for a long time you all know that one of my favorite times of the entire year is roster mania i love speculating about what rosters could be once they're rumored i love listening to the rumors and kind of imagining what those seems to be it's one of my favorite parts I'd even say at some points, it's probably more interesting than the middle of the season is when we get into the lull. Um, But teams should be making uh, players with extension options aware of their plans by Monday, June 26th. So whether they're extending them or not. Um, Excited for free agency to begin. We've got a couple roster rumors and things to talk about, especially one involving Optic in a little bit here. But I'm excited for roster mania. Can't wait to see what... What brings what teams makes up the makeups are. Yeah, because we were talking about a little bit, but like I think there's only one team that's safe from roster changes, and that's New York. Because yep. there's no way that that team breaks up unless for some reason Kismet really wants to go somewhere because he will be an unrestricted free agent. Unless he really wants to go somewhere for some reason, I guess it's the only way they could break up, but there's no way they're breaking up. So New York's for sure staying. Other than that, though. Toronto and FaZe, you know, they could maybe stick, but I could definitely see Toronto trying to find a Hixie upgrade. And I could even maybe see them trying to replace Insight if the right option was there. Like, you're telling me if they could get Octane? I'm not saying that they can or that they will be able to or anything like that, but let's say hypothetically Octane is a free agent, you know, and he's available and he really just says, I want to go to the Ultra. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm possibility that the Ultra could look to grab Octane. Yeah, uh, to replace Insight, then I certainly think they could look to replace Hixie for maybe a, a little bit more mechanically skilled player, potentially. Uh, not sure that they'll do it. I could see them sticking, but maybe. And then FaZe, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that Slasher could get replaced. 
And then all the other teams obviously could be making changes. So potentially New York are the only team sticking. So roster mania could be crazy. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to see where that goes. One of my favorite times of the year. Um, in terms of team news, apparently, uh, according to the rotation, I believe it was, um, as many as five CDL teams could be rebranding or moving cities this offseason, um, including Miami Heretics for Florida, a potential move for Seattle, and then London. Apparently, Seattle could be moving to Vancouver. Um, I think some of the ownership is already there. And then London could potentially be moving to, what was it, Charlotte or Chicago? Uh, I thought it was like Charlotte, maybe. Yeah, I think I also heard Chicago. But either way, London could be moving to somewhere in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are like three that we've already heard. And then apparently as many as five could be moving. Um, so I'm, I wonder who else. I was kind of trying to think about it or like <clears throat> moving or rebranding. So maybe not moving, but maybe rebranding. Um, so I guess when I look at the teams here, like let's pull up an image quick. I, I don't think FaZe are obviously rebranding. Assume they're staying as FaZe. Boston, I would assume is staying the same, relatively new, and their owner is Robert Kraft. So Unless ownership switch, I can't imagine why he would move them out of Boston. Yeah. Obviously, with him owning the Patriots, it's kind of his city. Florida, we already know, is moving. London, um, another one that we've been announced. I would say LA Thieves. There's no reason for them to switch. You know, the Thieves banner. Um, New York, I wouldn't see why they'd switch. Vegas just moved. Um, and Seattle's one of the other teams. And Optic's not moving. So the candidates that leaves, LAG seems like a prime one. Yeah. To be added. So add them to the Florida, uh, London. Um and Seattle both their LAG obviously with the parent org basically imploding and you know firing all employees that seems like an obvious candidate to change and rebrand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that leaves Minnesota, who as we have down in our notes here is apparently potentially merging. Um, G two the organization could be merging with version one slash Rocker, so that could be a candidate to rebrand or move just because they're merging. So that always opens up the possibility of some kind of you know rebranding. Yeah. Which I'd be sad to see. I absolutely love the Minnesota Rocker branded organization. So I'd be very sad to see them rebrand. Although I can't really see them moving because they are also owned by um, the owner of the Vikings. So unless he sold it, wouldn't really make a ton of sense for them to move themselves out of Minnesota considering, you know, the parent org is there. Yeah. But maybe a rebranding in terms of the name and logo could happen. I could definitely be switching. Mm hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. So excited to see what that potentially could be. You know, I don't always think rebranding like this is the best because you want to keep some consistency. But then also, we heard there's no uh, expansion coming. So sad about that. Uh, it's probably going to take something like them lowering the the buy in and changing the way the league is formatted. But you know, we're always sad with no expansion because the league needs to get bigger. Definitely does. With all the talent there is. Yeah. Um, speaking of rocker. Brian Saint was officially released. This should come as no shock either, but he's been the coach of their franchise since the inception of the CDL in the MW season. And people have been calling for him to, you know, be replaced as coach even before this season started, even like last season. Um, and I guess they made the switch. I don't think we've really heard who the replacement is. I don't know if Looney's going to step up and become the head coach or if they're going to try to sign somebody new, but I'll get your thoughts on that. Like, was it time? Did it have to happen? But I, I, there was some debate going on in the timeline I want to talk about on this as well. Um, from what I see, what they they won once. once yeah, the, it was the the Minnesota Massacre, the crazy down four zero. Yeah, that was their only win. They've won once, and he's been the coach for four years. Uh, kind of riding on the wall, it seems for me. <laughs> and they've had consistent problems with every team. Yep, every team up until this year was really good at search and couldn't win a map one, and would go on droughts where they wouldn't win series for months at a time. In MW, they started the year and they were like, they had like ASIM and GodRx and like uh, Silly and Assault, like a team that people weren't expecting to be very good. And they ended up making like a final and they were honestly pretty good. And then they went months without winning um, and like winning a series even. Um, and then like, you know, they, they would do that in a lot of games like Cold War. They were horrible in the beginning and ended up, you know, coming back, winning an event and playing pretty well, finishing like fourth at champs. Um and then in Vanguard, it was like the same thing. They would go months without winning, and they didn't even qualify for champs. And then this year, you know, they barely squeaked into champs, and they went months without winning again. It's like consistent struggles. The one thing I will say is, like, people were going crazy celebrating it, and I think, like, you had, like, Pander taking issue to it, which I get it. Like, it does look a little bit weird when people are celebrating somebody losing their job. 
yeah, it does get a little weird, but at the same time, I, I do think you have to remember that like this is essentially a, a team sport. Like this is a sports league. Mm-hmm. Like if your coach in the NFL, like if like let's say you you're a Falcons fan, let's say the Falcons win two games, they go two and fifteen, three straight years, and you're I mean in the NFL, a coach would be fired probably after going two and fifteen once. Yeah. But, like if your coach is consistently losing and you go two and fifteen back to back years and he gets fired, people are going to be happy because the coach sucked. Like mm-hmm. it's a team sport. Obviously, they're not celebrating the guy personally losing his job. Yeah, like nobody's being like, "I hate that guy as a person," and I'm so glad he got fired, and I hope he struggles uh, in his life to find a new job. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying that. Yeah, they're saying that. <laughs> I'm a fan of the Atlanta Falcons, let's say, and they went two and fifteen back to back years, and the roster it's pretty good. They're underperforming. The coach is not a good coach. He deserved to be fired because guess what? It's a results-driven business, and if you're not producing in a competitive sports league or competitive esports league, you deserve to be fired. That's just that's how sports leagues work, and it yeah. sucks. You, me, nobody is wishing that Brian Saint suffers and gets fired from his job, and we're happy that he's unemployed now because of this. Nobody's saying that. That's, I mean, Brian Saint. I'm sure he's a great guy. Everybody seems to really like him as a person. I'm sure he's a great guy. We're not happy that he lost his job. That sucks. Yeah, but as in terms of the team's results, like. They weren't producing, so fans are happy, just like a sports league. I feel like you have to remember that, and I get it. Like with Pander saying, I'm sure he's good friends with Brian Saint, so he hates to see people kicking his friend while he's down. But you do have to remember at the end of the day, like even though personalities may be more tight knit in our community and in the Call of Duty community, you got to remember at the end of the day, it's just like a sports team. Like if somebody's sucking at their job and you know the team moves on for them or releases them, it's in the fans' eyes, it's making their team better, so it's positive. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And like maybe you don't go dance in his face and like tweet at him and stuff. I get why you don't want that either because that is a little weird. Because you got to remember too, like you may be happy, but maybe be happy indirectly, not specifically at him. Maybe be like, yes, this coach was bad. I'm I'm happy my team. Maybe don't go directly tweet her being his replies, like yeah, saying he sucks. Because you got to remember the dude did just lose his job. Like he's not gonna be happy. Yeah, don't go don't go and add him saying how haha, you're fired. Yeah, <laughs> like, just it's basically just this, the thing we always talk about. Just be a decent human, like. Support mm-hmm. your team, but just don't, just don't be weird. That's that easy. Yeah, literally, just don't be weird like that. Yeah, pretty simple. But I just, I was, I was a little annoyed with people saying like, you shouldn't be celebrating this. Like somebody just lost their job, and I was like, there's a fine line to walk. Just like in a sport, when if you mm-hmm. have a player in your team that's horrible and he gets traded, you're probably going to be happy that he's traded. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's my, my thoughts on that. Um, the big news of the day, though, this came out like I'm glad it came out when it did. Because it came out like five minutes before we started recording. Yeah. It's obviously going to be the headline news. It's probably going to be in the title if you're watching this because it's, it's big time news. Uh, I can maybe look on Twitter quick to see if any updates have been posted on it. But apparently Optic have held talks um, with Draza and Envoy to join, which would presumably be asa- uh, alongside Dashi and Shotzi. So you'd have a Dashi on the main, a Draza on the flex, and then Envoy and Shotzi on your subs. Interesting. Thoughts? Seems like uh, a weird one out of nowhere. Like, I definitely Envoy was always a possibility for this team because, I mean, I, yeah, Don Voy, his history with the organization, Hector loves him, all that stuff. Um, I do not think Draza would be yeah. in the mix. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, I feel, I, I like Draza as, as a player, but I don't, I don't know if it really I, fits optic. Yeah, he's he's a very good. Um, very, very good player. Obviously, sorry, I just saw a tweet from JP. Very long. Um, he said, this past year has been a transformative period for me and my role. Initially joined the team, I never anticipated the numerous changes in the roster and found myself as the only one-person coaching staff for a CDL team for the majority of the season. However, in this position, one must adapt and make the most of the hand they're dealt. I hope that my experience serves as an example for aspi- aspiring analysts or coaches without prior playing experience. Hoping they find the satisfaction that comes from witnessing players' growth. Looking ahead, I'm eager to continue my personal growth as a coach next season. Um, I love JP. Um, everybody knows that I'm a stats person and did a lot of stats for the CCL. So I love that he was a guy um, that was able to make it in coaching with no like pro playing experience or even like really challenges playing experience. Because that's what mm-hmm. I would hope to do one day. I really want to get into the college coaching world and maybe parlay that into being a coach for a CDL team one day, everybody knows that's kind of what my long-term goal would be. Um, so I love to see a guy like him succeeding, but back yeah. on topic. Um, back to, 
to the Draza talk. Yeah, this one was out of nowhere and is a little weird because if that was to be the case, you would assume that that means Pratt is not going to Optic, which has basically been marked down as a foregone conclusion for months now that Pred's, op- Pred's on Optic and, you know, we're all just assuming yeah. that's true. They're literally screaming Optic Pred that was a major three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, you thought it was basically, um, basically a guarantee. And interesting that Ghosty's being dropped. I personally have always thought Ghosty was going to get the short end of the stick. Um, yeah. And get dropped along with Hook unless they won champs. I'm still not saying it's the right move because Ghosty was also arguably the best player at champs. He he played very well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he has potential to be a, a very good player in the CDL. Thankfully, I will say for Ghosty because I really like the kid. Um, it seems like if he gets moved, uh, moved by Optic and dropped, there will be a pretty good market for him. So thankfully for him, that's the case. He's not just going to get dropped back to challenges because... Um, this isn't a bold claim by any means, but Ghosty is certainly a CDL player. Uh, he should not fall back to challengers. He is a very good player. Yeah, definitely. Well, what he brings with the comms. And like the team you just mentioned, Dashy Ghosty. If you Ghosty replaced Draws on that, and it was Dashy Ghosty, Envoy, Shotzi, pretty good team. Yeah. But I, don't know that. I actually don't know that I think Ghosty is a downgrade from Draws. I think you can make the argument that Draws is a better, or that Ghosty is a better player than Draws. I don't think it's crazy to say. Yeah. I don't think Draws is IGL like Ghosty like that. Yeah. And I, I, I think Draws is a very good player, but I don't think it's, I don't think you can easily say that he's way better than Ghosty. Yeah. It's, I, I wouldn't say that either. Yeah. They're pretty close. So it's very interesting how those two are brought up. Yeah. Also, I am seeing something else. Um, Intel from Intel LA Thieves. Kenny is likely to remain on the LA Thieves uh, for the 2024 season. However, the rest of the players' positions apparently remain uncertain with Draza and Envoy being targeted by Optic Texas. So a little intel there that my boy Kenny might be staying on as like the only piece there on LA Thieves for sure, and then they build around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kenny kind of, Kenny's kind of like the golden child for LA Thieves. Yeah, I'm okay with it because people like to, to criticize him and say he had a rough year, but I will never stop being a Kenny believer until I see him consistently drop point fives. Yeah. I fully agree um, with that. Yeah. What am I seeing now? From the rotation, Optic risk breaching league rules if they enter agreements with Draza and Avoy this week. Teams may not enter into any formal agreements or make binding commitments to do so outside the permitted windows. This includes verbal agreements. Okay, that's BS. Never mind. I thought they were going to say like optics can get punished for something, but that's, that's BS. Teams are, players are texting mm-hmm. for roster mania the second the season ends. Yeah. And they have like a, yeah, that'll probably be our team agreement and they're never going to be able to stop that or like technically prove they did it unless they straight up put it in text. Be like, this is our team. Ben J, um, Ben J, and the team said it's not the NBA. Everyone tampers. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's yeah, it's just, it, they're gonna be texting like if if Optic really wants Straza and Envoy, uh, you think that they're just Dashy and Envoy aren't gonna text each other? Yeah, that's teammates uh, of a, a year, you know, they're, they're they're gonna be texting each other to figure this stuff out. Like nobody, they want don't want to be caught off guard when you know everything hits. That's some BS, but yeah, I think that the, the Dashy Draza Shotzi Envoy team could be pretty good. However, I will say I'm way more intrigued by uh, the the team that I had heard a lot of people mention. Who knows if it's even remotely possible or true, but I had heard and seen some stuff on the timeline about people saying, like, you know, Optic could get Octane, Dashy, Shotzi, Pred. I want to know your thoughts on that, and then I'll give it mine, if that was the roster. Mm, I feel like, uh, actually, that'd be a pretty, pretty damn good roster, to be honest. Octane with the comms, Dashy can, you know, he can be more of a killing guy. He won't have to have so much on his shoulders, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And then Pred and Shotzi will play pretty good together. See, I can see the initial concern by everybody being it's not going to work if your main AR is your dirty work player, because I could easily see Octane adapting, you know, doing more dirty work, but I would agree your main AR probably can't be the guy that's also doing your dirty work. Will Pred or Shotzi be able to adapt to that? I believe Shotzi can go to the yeah. dirty work. I just don't know if he wants to stop being as flashy. I don't know that Dashy can do it. I certainly see the concern there. I can see mm-hmm. a world where it's like, man, this team doesn't have anybody to do the dirty work necessary to win. So it's not going to be good because it's just four superstars. I can see that argument. Yeah. Um, 
I can also see the argument people are saying that's too many hours. They're slow. Like Octane said in the chat, like Tashi hasn't been kill whoring for a while, and I want to talk about this. Kill whoring is one of the most tired and overused arguments to talk COD, and it has been for years. I heard Zuma talking about this, and I, I literally was like, if there was a retweet button for everything he said, I would just copy and paste it right here. But like, kill whoring has a place in COD. There are times when you need to. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. your team gets three wiped on a hill, you're the only one up, you're top of the hill or something. And like you can jump out of the hill on the side and get a two piece to help make the next wave more even. You get two, you go down. Uh, but then it makes your team have a three on two off spawn at the hill because they're spawning up quicker. Instead yep. of just sitting in the hill getting that extra two seconds of objective, but you die without getting a kill. And now it's a four on three at the next break. Your team can't break. They got to wait for you. You give them extra time. Like there is a time to kill whore, and then there's a time not to. Yep. Situation. Like, who- probably shouldn't have pushed up broken looking for kills in the end of that hydro um yeah and they win the map that's a time not to but like the perfect example i can think of is let's stick with zarqua on p5 uh let's say your team has control of the hill you're playing uh on top of generator you're in hill um maybe you have two teammates pushed out front one holding the back guy in the back dies um your two guys out front die you're in the hill it's a 1v4 that claps on you in the hill should you stay in the hill, try to get one and die, and you don't end up getting one, and they get full control, and you have a four wipe? Or should you maybe jump up top, look over front, grab your two piece, and die? You should probably give up the two seconds, get the two kills, and you know make it more even for your teammates in the next wave. Yeah. High like, chance of breaking the hill then. And would people consider that kill whoring? Probably they technically would, because you're not eating that three seconds of time and said you're going for a couple kills. But it's yeah. technically the mathematically correct play. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is a time and place to do it, and that's what I, I, Octane was saying. Like, Dashy hasn't been kill whoring in that way at all this year. He's been a lot more selfless, and I agree, because there was a point this year where we saw Dashy's numbers flip from those superstar numbers he always puts up to a little bit less, but the team was winning. Dashy was making winning plays. I know that the idea is that's two traditional slow main ARs, but we've tried it before. I know what the formal and Dashy thing, but I, I just will never believe that on the right team, the right environment, and be the right coach, the right players around him, that Dashy couldn't just speed up and just be a faster AR. He, he's so talented, Dashy could do any role. I believe if Dashy wanted to full-time, get really aggressive, and switch to a sub, I damn near think Dashy could do it. He's got the straightest shot I've ever seen. Yeah. He definitely could do it. That's why the Doug thing, I may have seemed passionate about that, but Dashy's a player I really like. I've always really liked Dashy, because um, I loved him in World War II, because I've always been a Doug fan as well. Mm-hmm. So when you know they got on the same team, in complexity, younger me was a big fan of that team. Um, so then I've always kind of been a fan of Dashy, but like the kid has so much talent that like to put him in a box and say he's specifically a kill whore, it's like selling him. Does he kill whore at times? Sure. But like to put him in a box and say like that's all he does is just crazy. Like guys like Dashy and Selium are so talented they can fit to any role and do whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> so much talent in that dude. Mm-hmm. This begs the question though. If this is true, draws an envoy ahead of there. What happens to Pred? You know, it, it's been a foregone conclusion for months now, Brock. We've been like, you know, Pred's on Optic, and then, you know, you figure the rest out. But what if he's not? Does Happy he go to Thieves, maybe? Ooh. And if, if this is the maybe. case, does he say, screw it, I'm going to phase. Selium, you figure out how to use a main simp, you figure out how to use a flex, and I'll be a sub-duo with a BZ. First of all, um, kills-wise, who is outgunning that team? I promise you nobody's out-talenting that team. Yeah, no one. <laughs> Red Beezy, Sim Selium. Nobody's out talented that team. You're just gonna have to out teamwork them um, and just outplay them on the map. But nobody's out talented that team. Nobody's out slaying them ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Kenny's the foundational piece there, maybe we see Pred. Uh, maybe Octane sticks around too, and you see like Pred and uh, Ghosty. Maybe I could see like an Octane Ghosty Pred Kenny. Yeah, I can be I a could potential be... team something like that. I could even Sib and Pred. Yeah, I could even see like Sib maybe. I mean, Octane, Sib, Pred, Kenny would be a pretty gross team. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Pred's, if it, op, Pred doesn't go to Optic, really, I would think it between Thieves or FaZe. Yeah, Thieves, FaZe, I, it seems like it's got to be one of those, like, Pred, a player of that caliber, hitting the free agent market with his talent, his, um, you know, ability to be on camera and, like, be in content and stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's bound to go to one of the big three phase would seem like the least likely to me 
just because, you know, that first of all, that roster would get very expensive. Yeah. How Selium, Simp, Abizi, Predator depends how much they're willing to fork over because that would probably be the most expensive roster in the league. Um, and just like that would also require Simp to switch off a sub and start running a flex or Pred to run a flex or like, you know, I'm assuming they're not going to switch Abizi off that, that entry role, but yeah. that would require Predator, Simp to switch to a flex. So just more moving parts there that would make it less likely. Uh, whereas if Thieves are squad wiping, it leaves more money to, you know, invest into one player. So I, c- I could see them picking them up. Thieves would thieves would instantly become the most likely team in my eyes to pick him up if he didn't go to Optic. Yeah. Unless he wants unless he gets a bag and a half from the next Seattle. And then, you know, we've always got the curveball situation where uh it's complete bait and I know it is, but you've got Scump saying he's he can't say he's one hundred percent retired and you know, hinting, mm-hmm. you know, that He's joking like he's going to come back. And you know what? I'll say Scump is probably not coming back and he probably never will. But whenever you're always hinting at something like that, there's always a little bit of truth. If you're willing to joke about it, there's always a little bit of truth to it. Yeah. I feel like he, he kind of wants to come back. But then if he did, if he does come back, he'll he'll see how he has to scrim for eight hours a day again. And like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, instead of just, you know, being able to just watch party and stuff. But I'd be intrigued by the idea of like a dashy Scump Shotzi Pred roster. Scump running a flex. Yeah. Or an Octane. Dashy got replaced and you wanted Scump to run a flex. Because I would assume if Scump ends up coming back, he would it would pick up Pred, because that was like the whole idea was Pred really wanted to play with Scump. Mm-hmm. So I would assume if they, you know, picked up Pred, Scump would, you know, embrace the flex role or something. But uh, we don't even really need to talk about it unless it actually happens because it's mostly just bait and Scump trolling for clicks, which you know what's smart because he's gonna get a lot of clicks by teasing that he's coming back. Yeah, definitely a lot of clicks. Yeah. Um in terms of roster stuff and what we have for now, you know, more stuff could have come out while we're talking because it always uh, seems to. Um, speaking of that, Brock, I guess you want to go a little bit longer uh, because apparently uh, Toronto Ultra are open to offers for both Insight and Kleenex due to financial issues. Ooh. Both players are on two plus one contracts, so it would require a buyout. There's no free agency here, so it has to be a full-on buyout or trade. But apparently they're open to moving insight and Kleenex due to financial issues, which is not fun because it may be out of their control that they have to move on. Yeah, don't don't want to, but like I said, out of, out of control. Where would yeah. they go? That's a question. <laughs> uh, you know, the the team would be, if if only they were staying in London mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to keep being the London Royal Ravens and actually want to spend some money, it'd be cool to get two of the best EU players over to the you know EU team. Yeah. So uh, that would be very nice if they were able to go to the London Royal Ravens and they were able to stick as a London team. But um, yeah, for now we don't know. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting though. So I, I mean, I'm excited to see where everything goes. Like everything's just gonna get crazy, and that's what a lot of our episodes here coming up are. Because you know what, Brock, we've got. Probably six, seven months of off season. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that we you know we're gonna be making weekly content or trying to as much as possible as as there's news. But gonna be doing a lot of new stuff, and then we're open to your ideas. If you have suggestions, you know that's I mean wrapping it up here. But if you have suggestions, drop them down in the comments um, for anything you'd like to see from us in the off season. Got some big plans for it. Maybe I don't want to reveal too much, but we have maybe some potential plans to do some things with the channel. Um, branding and stuff wise as we go forward that's as much intel as i'll leak to you going forward um as we hit a thousand subs you know maybe it's time to make a little bit of a change and stuff so maybe some branding and and you know differences coming up soon potentially this off season um our main plan right now is we're going to potentially do a a podcast series where we're kind of like what jacob hale is doing right now armchair gm potentially brock and i are going to write up a little draft of if we were this team this is what we do um it's kind of hard if you're doing it weekly, though, because like teams are going to make their roster. So maybe we'll just do like an armchair GM. Like, would we have done this? Would we have maybe done something different? But mm-hmm. we're going to try to maybe make a, a series weekly now if there's not a lot of news where it's like, hey, next week we're going to discuss LAG. What would we do with that team? Um, and obviously, we're going to try to keep it realistic. We're not going to say every team, you know, you should sign Octane, uh, Draza, Envoy, Pred for the free agents. We're not going to like yeah. say that they should sign every top free agent. We're going to make it realistic. It's like, you know, if it's Vegas Legion, they don't have any chance to sign Pred. I hate to break it to you, but they have a zero percent chance to sign Pred. So we're gonna keep it realistic to like, you know, maybe closer to what their salaries are and realistic options for the team. But 
maybe something like that. And if you guys have any other ideas, we'll be brainstorming them up. But bring us any ideas you may have that you want to see out of us for off-season content. Yep. Because, man, we have a lot of months to make content. It's so much easier during the season when you've got a lot of stuff to talk about. But it gets dry out here in the competitive COD world um, late summer into when the game comes out. It gets very dry out here. Yep. We'll make it work. Uh, yeah, we'll make it work. Um, and we'll keep on chugging along. But that's going to do it for this one. If you guys enjoyed on YouTube, be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe. As always, help us on that road to 1100. You guys have been crushing the support. You know, it is that time of year where we now are probably about to see a dip in, you know, views, likes, comments, all that stuff, and, you know, listeners, because people, let's face it, are not as interested in Call of Duty three months post offseason and three months to the next season as they are in the heart of the season when matches are being played. So we appreciate all the support you guys want to give us and keep interacting. Love to talk to you guys. If you're on the audio platforms, drop a follow, drop a five-star review. That's going to do it for this one, and we will see you next week, probably with an armchair GM episode, unless we have more roster news to talk about, because next week will be uh, about a week away from free agency officially opening. So we appreciate all the support. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening, and we will see you in the next one.